Welcome back to the Posting Up Podcast here with your host, Alec Jesse. It is May 10th, 2019, and we have a lot to get to. Uh, Lasted the podcast the day after the national championship game. Um, I was intending to do my next one after the um, NBA or the early draft entrant deadline, which was was Sunday, uh, April 21st, but I just never really got around to it. Had to finish up school, finish up classes. Is my last couple weeks, a couple weeks of uh, classes, so I uh, did not end up getting to that. But that's okay um, because that gives us more to work with for this episode. So no worries there. Again, lots to talk about because um, really, there's only not many decisions had been made on whether or not guys were going to the draft or entering their name into the draft. And then obviously, I think the last episode we covered Trey Jones coming back for Duke um there's been much more uh as far as who's coming back who's staying in the draft since then of course because uh, that was the big domino that dropped back um back what way back in or the day I think it was the day of the national championship game so back uh April 8th so we're now so it's been a month since uh, since we've done the podcast and uh but that gives us uh, plenty of stuff to talk about because there's a lot of stuff that has gone on uh, in key moves that have been made. And then obviously we'll get into some recruiting stuff because uh, now it is recruiting season uh, with uh, the finishing up of the 2019 class. You have reclassifications to talk about with Johnny Juzang, who ha- who's making his announcement tonight. Uh, RJ Hampton, obviously big news there. And a couple other guys that we'll get to that have made their decisions, uh, including a 2020 guy f- uh, for Duke. Uh, it's a big commitment they received on Wednesday. So uh, yeah, we'll get right. We'll get to that recruiting kind of the second part of it. But I want to talk about some of the big decisions and and impacts. So the day after, uh, or the day of that I recorded the podcast, I think I recorded it in the morning because um, one of my classes got canceled, so I, I had extra time to do the podcast then. So I was like, well, you know, might as well do it for after national championship game. But I missed some pretty big decisions uh, later on in the day. So the the big notable one was Ashton Hagen's electing to return to Kentucky. Um, this was a decision that I think most people not like shouldn't have come as, as a surprise, right? I mean, for anyone that was familiar with Kentucky basketball and watched a lot of it, um, Ashton Hagen's uh, essentially began the year pretty rough. It was. You know, he was splitting time with Quad A Green and never really got in a rhythm and showed flashes, but it was never really consistent, of course. Um, and then obviously, you had Quad A Green transfer um, from Kentucky to Washington at the end of the fall semester. So then, so then Ashton Hagens essentially had the reins to the point guard position. And then Kentucky went on a big run. You know, they, they the big win against. Or they, they blew out Utah their next game, and then obviously had the two massive back-to-back wins against North Carolina and Louisville, and he was a big part of those uh, with the eight steals against Carolina. Uh, really from the, the Utah, well, I'll say the Carolina was kind of the breakout game. The Carolina game uh, until about, I don't know, late to mid-January, Ashton Hagens was playing as good as anyone on the team. Uh, he he was absolutely terrific. I mean, you had the the homecoming game against Georgia. Had twenty, I think he had twenty three points. Uh, was all over the place. Obviously, you had the the what did he have? What, eight to ten games 
consecutively of, of at least three steals. Um, was playing great. And then he kind of hit like that freshman wall um, in, in February, I'd say, is when it happened. And, and struggled a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I know the, the loss against LSU, he was he, he did not play well in that game. Um, and then and it was kind of inconsistent the rest of the year. And then in the tournament, you know, obviously it's Auburn in the final game. He was brutal, had I think seven, eight turnovers. Um, there there was maybe – there was a rumor, rumor circulating that he might have been playing hurt. Um, don't know what the injury was, but might have been playing hurt the last few games. Uh of the season, which made sense because it just didn't seem like he couldn't really stay in front of, in front of anyone. It didn't seem like his quickness was there. Um, and you know, his, he, in February, it was funny. He was actually shooting the ball much better. He was actually making threes. Um, he actually shot pretty well from behind the arc in the month of February in a little bit, um, or in early March, but then kind of when the NCAA tournament rolled around, he, he couldn't buy a jump shot. And that really, obviously that really hurt Kentucky. Uh, in the end, but anyway, that was that was major news uh, coming out. I, I you know I figured he would go through the combine or, or you know enter or test the waters per se, try to get a combine invite, and he probably would have gotten the combine invite um, had he gone through it. But he elected. Uh, you know, there was a quote. I think uh, Kyle Stuck, Kyle Tucker did a story talking about um, you know kind of the guys early draft entrance for Kentucky, and you know going through them all. And Ashton Hagen's dad had a quote like, we completely trust Cal. We completely trust Cal. So I guess, you know, Cal, obviously um, not going to steer uh, Hagen's wrong. You know, said, you know, you need another year. And, and you know, a guy that's that I think Cal was super happy to get, but just a last, going into last season, but it just didn't work out for him to be a one and done. So he will be back in Kentucky. That's massive news uh, because now Kentucky – uh, they have their point guard locked down for next year. And the last time, again, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but the last time Kentucky had a point guard come back, a, their starting point guard from the previous year come back to school, you had 38-1. and one. Now, that's not going to happen, but the point remains that you give Cal two years with the same point guard because he never gets that. I mean, think about it. Because even with Tyler Eulis, like that wasn't the starting point guard. I mean, I'm obviously referring to Andrew Harrison. Um, but... You give Cal the same point guard for two years, and usually good things happen. Uh, the good, I guess he's really only had that once, and uh, in, in a really good, an amazing season uh, transpired. So um, I think it's important for Kentucky to have that continuity the point, with the point guard position, have that guy back, and it'll help with team chemistry. Um, on the other hand, so you had Ashton Hagens obviously go pro, uh, or excuse me, come back, turn down the pros. You had other, t- you had PJ Washington, um, which I might have been, I might have touched on that one. I think that decision ha- was made because I think PJ announced he was going pro and they're staying in the draft, and then Hagen's later that day. So I might have touched on PJ already going pro, but if I, I don't remember if I did completely, but that was no surprise. He had an awesome, he was an, he had an awesome sophomore year. Uh, did everything he could to improve his stock. Went from a dude that was, you know, a, a solid second round pick a season ago to, you know, potentially the lottery. You know, will likely be picked inside the top fifteen or sixteen. Definitely the top twenty. Um, did everything he needed to do. Showed he could shoot the ball. Shot the ball. I think forty one, forty two percent from three this season. Yeah, I mean, PJ Washington was a no. It was a no brainer decision for him, and and he. Uh, and he did it the right way. I mean, 
didn't go out to her. I mean, in, you know, guys can do whatever they want, obviously. But I mean, he, I think he really made the right decision for himself, and and you're gonna and you're seeing that. I mean, you'll see that on draft night when he gets picked uh, in the in the first round. Um, and then you also had Kelton Johnson, Tyler Hero, both first entered in the draft. You know, saying we're not gonna didn't totally commit to going pro, but then. Uh, or the next week, you had um, they they ultimately made the decision that they were staying in the draft. And for both of them, I think it's good decisions. For Kelton, it was almost like stopping the bleeding. He was a dude that was probably going to be a top ten pick going into the season, uh, going into this college basketball season. And he wasn't bad by any means. I mean, he he definitely showed had his moments, but I uh, wasn't wasn't as athletic as I thought he was going to be, wasn't as assertive offensively offensively as I thought he was going to be. I mean, I I mean, I touted him as I thought he was going to be the second best player in the sport uh after RJ Barrett uh in the preseason that did not come even close to being true. Uh but regardless, I think it was a good decision for him, a guy that's a, a solid first rounder. He's a floor pick for an NBA team. And ultimately, he he should go to a team that's already kind of good. Because he's not a dude you want to build your team around, but he could be a solid role uh, wing uh, coming off the bench, and a guy that I don't think is going to be playing much NBA basketball next year. I think will be in the G League, but I, I still think a solid first round pick. And you get that feedback sort of turned down. Tyler Hero, on the other hand, totally opposite. I mean, coming in, coming into the year, I thought he was definitely going to be a one and done with what he showed at the Bahamas, but then he struggled mightily the first half of the season in non-conference play. And then and as SEC play went on, he, he showed his skill offensively um, and, and defensively. I mean, got just incredibly, uh, so much better defensively. At, at the beginning of the year, he could not guard anybody. And by the end of the year, he was maybe the best on-ball defender Kentucky had in the starting lineup. So uh, Tyler Hero, you know, more than just a three-point shooter. His three-point shooting was actually kind of disappointing at Kentucky. You know, he had – He's thirty-five percent from three. That wasn't. That's not bad by any means. But I mean, that's that's not. That also wasn't. You know what you thought you were getting from him. You you probably probably hope for forty to forty-five, but he got thirty-five. But he scored in a lot of other ways, and that he he's a scorer. That's what he is. But against he struggled with inconsistencies as well. I mean, in that Auburn game, he had ten points. wasn't seemed to scared to shoot the ball, and that's not good. So I again I. I think PJ, if you had to make me bet, PJ is definitely the most ready guy uh, to play in the NBA next year, just physically and just you know his maturity as far as the game goes. Uh, but I think Tyler Hero probably has the the highest upside uh, because he's sneaky, athletic, again can can shoot the ball. Got to get more consistent there, um, and he showed his ability to score in other ways and defend. Um, so those two ultimately stay in the draft. I three, I guess, with PJ, and those were good decisions. And then, so wrapping up with Kentucky, kind of their roster moves. You had uh, Jamal Baker opted to transfer. Not, I don't know. I I thought I was a little surprised, not shocked. Um, it seemed like some UK media thought he was going to transfer, and others didn't think he was going to transfer. And he he ended up transferring, obviously, but. You know, a guy that came in and as as a as a top hundred player, you know, in that seventy to hundred range, a guy that you know I figured kind of will understand he's not going to play immediately here. I think what really really messed uh, up Jamal Baker's time at Kentucky was being hurt that first year because that first year Kentucky needed shooting, right? Like 
I mean, Shea kind of could shoot. Knox got better as the season went on, but was still inconsistent and kind of streaky. Diallo was not consistent at all. Again, there were some games he made a few and others he couldn't hit the side of a barn. I mean, they needed shooting, and they needed a dude that can come in and knock down shots. And I think that is where Jamal Baker would have played a lot. And and also, he defended. So, you know, when Diallo was out there just absolutely playing horrible mid-SEC play twenty uh, the 2017-18 year, you know, you can throw Jamal Baker out there, and he'll defend, and he's not going to turn the ball over like Diallo was doing a lot. And you have that shot-making punch. But it never, you know, he obviously couldn't play. And that really, uh, I think that really hurt him because then this year comes and then Kentucky's got guard depth. They didn't have that the year before. They they do this year um, with, you know, even with Quad A Green transferring. I mean, that kind of helped Baker crack the, rota- crack the rotation initially, but still with Hagens and Quickly and Hero. And it was just hard to get on the floor if you weren't, if he wasn't making shots and he didn't make shots at a high enough clip. So... You know, it, it was a shame, but I understand the move. I, I figured he would maybe try to graduate then transfer to get that one year of immediate eligibility. But he, he will uh, – I think he's got three years of eligibility left because that first year he didn't play at all. I'm sure that's that you easily can use as a medical red shirt. Um, so I think he's got three years of eligibility at any school. He's got to sit one, obviously. But uh, I, Jamal Baker, I, I think it's almost certain he goes back out west. He's pretty close with his family. He's obviously from L.A., um, and that would be a pretty good. I, I think he, you know, I think it would have worked for him at Kentucky had he stuck with it. But I understand being, uh, n- not being patient, um, and you know, I, again, or getting benched essentially in that, in the in the Auburn game for fouling Jared Harper on, uh, you know, the three point shot. It was a, it was a, a four point play, and yeah, he, he that happened. Cal took him out and didn't put him back in, and that was essentially that. So. Yeah, so Kentucky, you know, they get Hagens back, but right now, and, and then uh, E.J. Montgomery and Nick Richards both uh, testing the waters at the moment. Uh, but both entered in the NBA draft, but neither, uh, you know, neither hired an agent, obviously, and, and left that option to come back. You can hire an agent, agent excuse me, and still come back. Uh, the, the NCAA now, that's the new rule that seems like there's a new rule with this process each year that that's the new one for this year you can actually hire an agent and come back uh but you obviously have to terminate relations with that agent um when you come back uh but i don't think either of them hired an agent neither of those two were invited to the combine sounded like ej was considering a transfer but ultimately Went in, you know, into the draft. I'd say it's likelier than not both of those two return. Nick Richards being the most likely. I think EJ will as well. Uh, EJ's a dude I think expected to be here one year. Um, didn't work. And same with Hagens, right? Hagens, I, th- I don't think expected to be here more than uh, a year. But I, I and I think that kind of helps Kentucky in, in a sense. The fact that okay, well, in not only did a dude you know, a, a one done wannabe stay in Hagen's. You got a dude that's from Georgia. You, you know, I don't know that they're best friends or anything like that, but at least you have that continuity and guy that, you know, that can't both in the same class. Uh, so I think EJ and Nick will both come back, but right now they're not. So I, I, I don't list them among the current scholarship players. You have Ashton Hagen's Tyrese Maxey, Khalil Whitney, Keon Brooks, all, you know, Hagen's obviously coming back. Uh, Maxie Whitney Brooks, uh, Dante Allen, uh, all signed. You have Emmanuel Quickly. I forgot to mention him. He he announced he was coming back. 
I think later in the week. Um, and then you had um, and then you had Nate Sestina, the grad transfer from Bucknell. Uh, Cal took him in. Uh, pretty good uh, four five man, averaged fifteen points a game. Uh, seven eight rebounds, shot thirty eight percent from three. So a dude that got, has a little bit of, of of scoring and shooting punch to him. Um, you know, a decent athlete. Not Reed Travis as far as he's not going to bully people, and he's not he's not that physical strong dude. But a dude that ultimately could end up being more skilled, uh, should end up definitely being a better shooter. Could stretch the floor a little bit. But he's going to come and play defense and rebound and play hard. I don't. Th- I would not think Nate Sestina is going to start. I think he's going to play for sure. I don't, Cal would not bring in a grad transfer that was going to sit the bench, uh, not be a practice player. No, Nate Sestina's going to play. I just don't think he'll end up starting. I, I think Nick and and EJ. Um, I think. You know, with it again, we'll get into the recruiting stuff. There's recruiting uh, with Kentucky to talk about as well, but I I think those two I, definitely EJ Montgomery. EJ Montgomery comes back, he will definitely be in the starting lineup. Nick is a maybe. Um, yeah, uh, they still got scholarships to fill right now. They're currently they have seven. Again, Nick and e, Nick and EJ coming back would be uh, would be nine, and then you know you have. You have other options. You have Jaden Jaden McDaniel's, who we'll talk about later. Johnny Juzang, who we'll talk who we will talk about later. Um, Jordan Brown, the transfer from Nevada, Kentucky, has shown interest in him. A guy they recruited. A guy I don't I don't know if Cal offered him, but I know a guy that Cal definitely met with a few times uh, from California. Um, he. He is he put his name in the transfer portal yeah, a little probably two three weeks ago. In Kentucky is considered a player for that one, a guy that would sit one and play three, um, you know, a guy that you know could get that practice time at Kentucky. I, I think that that is definitely an option to fill a scholarship. Obviously, couldn't play next year. Um, so yeah, but they definitely Kentucky definitely has uh, a lot of work to do. Cal has a lot of work to do to put together his roster. And and uh, Kerry Blackshire is another one. Again, we'll talk about. But yeah, Kentucky uh, definitely has some work to do on that front. Um, we'll talk about some of these teams, and I'll talk a little bit about um, how much or some of the teams that I like heading into next year. I like their roster and whatnot, but I'll, I'll you know talk about Duke a little bit, um, and I guess I'll intertwine some recruiting because they've had some recruiting success. I'll I'll talk about that right now. Might as well if I'm talking about them um, because they have they have received three commitments in the last. Uh, three weeks. Uh, you have Matthew Hurt won a heavyweight battle in that one. It was a big win for Duke to pair with Vernon Carey inside. Uh, Cassius Stanley, a dude they jumped on late. Um, not a dude that they, uh, you know, not a dude they were involved with. It was Kansas. He he took a list of Kansas, UCLA, and uh, Oregon. Yeah, that's who Stanley had on his list for the longest time, and then Duke stepped in, offered him a scholarship, got him on campus, and and essentially, and, you know, took care of that recruitment. So they will have Cassius Stanley on board for next year, and then like, and then Jeremy Roach, the first five star in twenty twenty. He's a point guard um, to commit in the twenty twenty class. He was a dude that was down to four: Kentucky, Nova, Duke, and I think North Carolina. So it was a blue blood battle. Um, looked like Kentucky for a while was was doing the best with Jeremy Roach, but ultimately he picked Duke. Uh, it was looking like it was going to be closer to more of either Duke or Villanova towards the end, and and Duke ended up winning that recruitment. So 
Um, Duke has had some recruiting success recently. It's helped with their roster. But they've also lost a guy in Boogie Ellis, uh, the four-star uh, from California. I think the San Diego area, I believe, is where he's from. Um, re- uh, requested his release from his letter of intent. I guess just the Cassius Stanley announcement. And then you have Trey Jones coming back. You also have Alex O'Connell back in the fold. Uh, and Jordan Goldwire as well. Uh, just a lot of guards Duke has. They, they have plenty of options there. And, you know, it's just he would have had to sit the bench for the most part his freshman year. And then, you know, how Duke, I mean, Duke, Kentucky, all the one-and-done schools are recruiting over over those kind of guys. So Boogie Ellis is out. Uh, Marquise Bolden and Javin Delorier both entered in the draft. Um, I don't I, – and obviously you had Barrett Reddish and Zion Williamson – uh, enter in the draft. No surprise there. They will. They they will keep their name in the draft uh, without a doubt. Um, so you have that. And yeah, but with Bolden and Delorier, it would not shock me. I don't have any insider information. I'm just making a guess here. It wouldn't shock me though if one of those dudes stayed in the draft. You have Matthew Hurt, and both of them will be seniors next year. So they they only have both of them only have a year of eligibility left as it is. Um. You have Matthew Hurt and Vernon Carey. Vernon Carey is going to play more minutes. It's Vernon Carey and Trey Jones are going to play the most minutes of anyone on the team next year. Matthew Hurt will be a close third. Um, you talk, so you have you know Hurt and Carey really outside of foul trouble going to be playing just about every minute. I, I would think um, you know dudes that that Duke recruited for a long time and. You know, I mean, with Matthew Hurry, I mean, talking about beating all those blue bloods out, I mean, they're not going to put him on the bench very much. It wouldn't shock me if one of those two opted to stay in the draft. I think they'll get one back because if they don't get one back, then they're going to be hurting for some front court help. Duke will be. Uh, I think one of them will come back, but it wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if Marquise Bolden would be the one. I, I think Delorier is a dude that comes that would come back because, he, I mean, he was a four-star coming in. He was always kind of a he, – he's been a role player really his entire career at Duke. He played more this year because they just didn't have as much scholarship, many scholarship players and guys down low. But Marquise Bowen, talking about a five-star guy that's been there now, you know, been there three years, and it just really hasn't worked out for him, right? I mean, there's been moments of, of where he's been good. I mean, you have the Auburn game and uh, in Maui and the Kansas game uh, when Wendell Carter was in foul trouble. But I mean, a dude that's constantly been that really ever since he's gotten there has been recruited over. You had you know, you had uh, Bagley in Wendell Carter. Then the next year you had Zion Williamson, um, and and essentially him and Delorier split playing time at the five. And then now this year you have uh, Matthew Hurt and um, and Vernon Carey. Wouldn't surprise me if Marquise Bolden said, "Screw it, I'm out of here." Uh, I don't again. I don't know that for sure, but it just it, that wouldn't surprise me at all if that were the case. Um, you have with Tennessee. So moving on to Tennessee, interesting development that Jordan Bone ended up declaring for the draft. So Grant Williams did as well, and they're going to have Admiral Schofield and Cal Alexander. Um, obviously, they graduate, but Jordan Bone was a dude that number one, no one improved more from 2017 to 18, 18, 19 than Jordan Bone did on that team, without a doubt. Like Grant Williams was really good, but he was pretty much the same. Like maybe he shot the ball better. That that's the only difference. But he was essentially the same player he was, you know, in 17, 18. 
Um, you know, Jordan Bowden, I think, took a step back. He didn't shoot the ball as well this past year. Admiral Schofield, I think, took a step back. I thought he was the best player on the team uh, in 17-18. He was good this year, no, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't quite – I don't think he played quite to the level um, they did the previous year. But Jordan Bone, I mean, went from being a decent point guard last year to being one of the best point guards in the SEC. I, if I had to rank him, I'd probably put Tremont Waters number one and Jordan Bone, number two, if I were having to make a list for or just, you know, ranking the point guards from 2018-19. I mean, he brought it. He shot the ball well. Uh, he did a lot of good things well. He He's going to end up uh, – he, he essentially told everyone that will listen. He's staying in the draft. And I think it's honestly a good decision because Jordan Bone coming back for his senior year, what is he – again, you, you got to look at the what do you have to gain. Um, and he doesn't have a whole lot to gain. He played great this past year. And he, you know, I don't know what else there really is to prove. And, and the same is with Grant Williams making in making his decision. He seems more likely to return, uh, but I, you know, I don't know. Uh, but t- the big news for Tennessee really this offseason is that they were able to keep Rick Barnes from going to UCLA. That that would have really direct because they got. I mean, they've had a they've had a very impressive uh, two year stretch. That would have really really hurt the program. Because then almost certainly Grant Williams and Jordan Bone go pro. Uh, that'll probably happen anyway. But then the other dudes, i.e., transfer or you know ask for the release because they have some recruiting momentum as well. So yeah, definitely um, lucked out there in that they were able to keep Rick Barnes. That was honestly the biggest move. But yeah, looking like they're going to lose Jordan Bone when not expected. So Tennessee, Tennessee again. I haven't, I haven't ranked these. T- I have, I have all these teams essentially, you know, on a on a word doc and I haven't essentially ordered them in the order I want them yet. I'm going to, I want to see who stays in the draft, who comes back and then other recruiting stuff. I will, I will finalize that probably May 29th, May 30th. That's May 29th being that that's the day you either have to stay in the, you know, dudes that are in the draft right now, they either got to commit to staying in it or they come, come back to school. Um, so I will, I'll kind of start shifting the list. Uh, then right currently because I have Tennessee at third, I just threw them in there because they were one of the better teams this year. But you know, assuming Bone and Williams stay in the draft, I see them as a back end top twenty five team. I still think they're twenty. They're I still think they're in the back in the rankings. But I mean, you're talking a major step back uh, from a team that was uh, you know a surprise in seventeen eighteen and returned literally like everybody from that team for uh, for twenty eighteen nineteen. Um, I mean, they're going to take a big step back, and Grant Williams, one of the best players in school history. I mean, or one of, you know, definitely in recent memory, he's definitely been the best player in the program. Admiral Schofield, not too far behind, losing just those two alone. I mean, that's that's quite big losses. Gonzaga Bulldogs, they've had somewhat of a rough go of it. Um, there, so Rui Hashimura, Brandon Clark, obviously you knew that those two were staying in the draft. But then Zach Morvell Jr. Uh, just recently said, you know, told reporters after a workout that he is staying in the draft, and you know, uh, a guy that's steadily. Well, I guess he really only played two years there because he redshirted his first year, his freshman year, um, and shot the ball pretty well, uh, scored the ball pretty well, and you know, I guess he just. Thinks that he's ready for the NBA game, so that's going to leave them kind of shorthand. Now they did get Admon Gilder, uh, the Texas A&M transfer. That was a big commit for them. A dude that shot, 
uh, you know, 37, 38% for his career from threes, played big-time minutes, played in the NCAA tournament. Didn't play last year, I think, because of a heart complication, so he redshirted, but he graduated from A&M and will attend Gonzaga next year. That softens the blow a bit uh, of losing Zach Norvell Jr., but they, you know, losing a ton of guys in the front court between Rui, Heshimura, Brandon Clark, Killian Tilly is also in the he declared for the draft and got a combine invite. So you never know with him, but thankfully they have, you know, they have a bunch of dudes committed. Drew Timmy, and then they got a so- uh, sophomore year of uh, Philip Pr- uh, Petrusev, uh, who played pretty well in a, in a role. Those two are going to have to step step up. Corey Kispert coming back, that's going to be a big one. But, that you know, losing uh, Josh Perkins, I mean, that that's a big loss because just having that senior point guard, that steady point guard, he's played a lot of games for him. Uh, that's another loss. So it's going to be kind of a rebuilding year for Gonzaga. I still suspect they're going to be in the top 15 to 20 but they're losing a lot from a really good basketball team that they assembled. Um, and then you have North Carolina, who was looking kind of you know shaky as far as um, as far as it, their 2019 hopes go. But I, you know they secured Cole Anthony. That was big for them. They got um, uh, they got two big time grad transfers. Christian Keeling and Justin Pierce. Justin Pierce from William Mary. Keeling from, I believe, either Charleston Southern or Georgia Southern. One of those two. I let me well, let me look it up real fast. I want to be accurate here. Charleston Southern. So that's okay. So, so yeah, they they picked up him, and then they got. Uh, Anthony Harris, who decommitted from Virginia Tech due to the Buzz Williams move, obviously. So North Carolina having you know quite the success turned you know what might have been a borderline top fifteen team is might end up in the top five. You get you get Anthony Ar- Armando Baycott, you get Garrison Brooks back, Justin Pierce, the guy that averaged seventeen points a game at William and Mary. I mean, that's, you know, you have, and then obviously Cole Anthony being one of the best guards in the 2019 class, going to make an immediate impact. No one won bigger, in my opinion, this off, thus far, maybe this offseason, than Michigan State. Returning Cassius Winston, Josh Langford, and I believe Xavier Tillman. Let me see if he actually declared for the draft. I don't. I think he did. He did not. So, returning Xavier Tillman, Cassius Winston, Josh Langford. I mean, Langford, again, didn't play at all last year, but they're going to get him back uh, for his senior season. Cassius Winston, I mean, was one of the best guards in the country, probably the best point guard in the country this past year. And, you know, Xavier Tillman being terrific. Now, Nick Ward looking likely to stay in the draft. You lose Kenny Goins and Matt McQuaid. But, like, I don't know. You, you having Josh Langford back. I mean, that's that's a big time boost. You get Aaron Henry got to you know play big minutes as a freshman. He's gonna he he should definitely make a big time sophomore jump. And Marcus Bingham Jr., a dude that you know sat the bench most of his freshman year, but he's gonna get to play a big role alongside Xavier Tillman and Kyle Aaron's. I mean, who I mean messed up his ankle fairly bad in that. Um, 
in that Big tw- uh, Ten championship game, he'll be back for another year. I thought he was a senior. I list, I initially listed him as graduated, but he'll be back. Um, so Michigan State, I, I anticipate when I, when I finalize my rankings that Michigan State will be the top team in the country. And it would not surprise me if we get a 1-2 matchup between Kentucky and Michigan State in the Champions Classic this upcoming season. That would not surprise me at all if that's how it goes. All right, I'm going to get through – I'm going to talk about Virginia, and then we'll talk some recruiting stuff and, and other stuff. I do want to mention you know, Kerry Blackshear Jr. Um, entered the transfer portal, also entered in the NBA draft. Uh, honestly, right now, if I had to pick, he probably will end up staying in the draft or just exercising professional opportunities. Um, don't really know exactly uh, for sure, but that you know he's definitely taking that process seriously and wants to play pro basketball. But if he did opt to come back to school, he will transfer for Virginia Tech, and it will likely be Kentucky, Florida State, or Texas A and M. Debt and and would be one of the best grad transfers in recent memory. I I would put him ahead of Reed Travis, and Reed Travis was terrific. Um, I mean, you're a guy a guy you're talking about in the ACC averaged 15 points a game, eight rebounds a game. Um, you know, can play in and out. I, I mean, can shoot the ball a little bit. Not super consistent, but definitely has that ability. A great pick and roll uh, big. I mean, against Duke in two games, I think he averaged like 20 points a game and like, like I don't know, 10 to, 10 to 12 rebounds. I mean, he dominated Duke in both games, both when Zion was out and when he was back in that Sweet 16 matchup. I mean, just an absolutely terrific college basketball player. Um, would be a huge get uh, for any of those three schools. I think that's who it would be. Um, but, yeah, so so there is that. Well, and then I'll also throw in uh, Marcus How. So Marquette, man, had, had, a, uh, had a real gut punch. They get Marcus Howard, you know, elects to come back to school. And then, but the the Hauser brothers, both Joey and Sam, have elected to transfer. So a team that was looking like probably – Top seven ish, by far the Big East favorites, uh, with Marcus Howard back w- when he announced he was coming back, and then you get the Hauser brothers then announcing they're leaving. So I, you have to imagine that that's a that's a killer for Marquette, uh, a team that went from essentially being a top, you know, top ten team to some would put them in the top five all the way probably down to you know, top twenty, you know, back in the top twenty five. Uh, that was definitely an interesting development. The Hauser brothers down to Virginia, Michigan State, Wisconsin. I would suspect Virginia gets that pair. And speaking of Virginia, like I said, I wanted to mention them. A uh, lot of losses for them as well. Uh, Ty Jerome, Kyle Guy, DeAndre Hunter, Mamadi Diakite, all elect to enter the draft early. And Marco Anthony uh, transferring out Jack Salt. Graduating, I think Diakite comes back, but Kyle Guy has already said he is staying in the draft. That was a and that was uh, a dude that most people thought would return for Virginia. I didn't think he was. I, I I thought I was like, I think him and Jerome will end up staying in the draft. DeAndre Hunter is definitely staying in the draft. Uh, I think Diakite ends up coming back, but it's going to be an interesting team uh, for uh, Tony Bennett next year uh, with Kia Clark running the point. You have, I mean, you'll have Braxton Key back, Jay Huff back. Jay Huff was good in some limited minutes, uh, but it's going to be an inter- interesting team. Going to those those stars that you had that you that had, you know built up the program and got on that national title. Uh, most of them are gone, 
after uh, you know with with Jerome Guy and Hunter. I mean, those were again three of the better players in school history. I would say, I, I would venture to say, and and what a twenty sixteen class uh, th- that Tony Bennett uh, um, put together with those three guys in it. Uh, that that is incredible. Um, so anyway. And I, D. Kite might have been in that class. Well, I don't remember. But regardless, still, incredible class for Virginia. And they um, definitely have you – know, they overachieved. But they are going to it's, – it's like with Villanova. You know, Villanova losing Bridges in last year early. And DiVincenzo and Jalen Brunson, dudes that Jay Wright probably figured he was going to have for longer. Definitely DiVincenzo for four years, and he gets in for only two. Uh, and, and you saw that the, they struggled. wouldn't surprise me if Virginia had some sort of the same – issues this next upcoming year all right so I believe that I mean I I could go on with all these teams if some of their decisions um you know like you know Louisville is another interesting one with uh you know with Jordan Wara you're talking about guy if he comes back they could be in the top five I don't think he will but Samuel Williamson the guy they signed um, in the fall, is McDonald's All American ended up a five star. He looked good in the uh, in the practices and was one of the stars. So look for Louisville to take a big step up, and they got Lamar Kimball to take over the point for uh, in place of Christian the Christian Cunningham, the graduating Christian Cunningham. Stephen Enoch and VJ King are both guys. That are also in the draft right now for Louisville. I suspect both those dudes come back. They didn't get a combine invite. Jordan Wara did. I, I think he stays in. Had, had a, I mean, again, overachieved there uh, for sure. And then, you know, Michigan's interesting. Um, it, Jordan Poole and Charles Matthews have, are staying in the draft. That's, that's a killer. John Beeline could have been building a monster for next year. Uh, you know, Ignis Bradsdagas is is now the guy that's somewhat in limbo, but I, I read his statement when he declared for the draft, and it looked like he was gone. So it's looking like Michigan's going to end up having still a solid team, but it's hard to imagine them getting all the way up to number or I guess they got there as high as number two. They never got to number one. Um, yeah, so I think that, that those will be uh, – that'll be an interesting decision and see how Mich- uh, uh, John Beeline deals with some early draft entrants. Okay. And then if Seton Hall returns uh, uh, Miles Pyle, I, I would venture to say they're a top 15 team heading into next year. All right. And then uh, mention Auburn because Jared Harper is opting to go to the draft and stay in it. So a team that could have been in the top 10 again next year uh, and is looking, you know, to be on the fringe. Uh, Chumo Kiki, obviously, he went to the draft. He hadn't torn his ACL, would have been almost a surefire first rounder. Now it's in doubt. My guess is he still stays in the draft because he wouldn't be able to play. I mean, he, he's going to have to – I mean, that's a 12-month injury. It happened in March. Wouldn't be able to play for Auburn next year, really. I, I can't – I don't even know when he would be able to play eventually. It would be a while. So I would suspect he stays in. Uh, I still like the makeup of Auburn's team, but it's definitely – that's a gut punch losing both of those two guys uh, early. Definitely Harper especially. I mean, that – that was a guy, you know. I can't. You can't blame him for making that decision. But man, I mean, like if they if he had come back, you, you could have another monster year for Auburn. Because I mean, losing Malik Dunbar, Bryce Brown, Horace Spencer. I mean, Bryce Brown and losing Bryce Brown and Jared Harper. That's going to be a tough, tough loss um, for the Auburn Tigers. All righty, give me a second here. 
Okay, so let us talk some recruiting stuff because you we obviously have 2020 news and like with like I said with um with Jeremy Roach and we have a lot of 2019 news. A lot of commitments have been coming in. Um, the most recent Jalen Cohn was a reclass of, uh, 2020 reclass. Uh, re- Reclass guy, and he he moved up to 2019 uh, and committed to Virginia Tech. So now Mike Young of Walford has his point guard for next year. After you, I think I think Justin Robinson graduates. Um, I'm not quite sure, um, but anyway, has his next guard. So that was a big commitment for them. You have Kansas getting back on the board. They hadn't landed a dude in a while. It had no guys inside the top 100 uh, in the 24/7 Sports composite. And they get Tristan. Inaruna, Inaruna, Inaruna. That's what I'm gonna go with. Inaruna. Uh, he, I believe, is Dutch. He's from, uh, I believe, he's from, um, from the Netherlands, um, and was pretty good in basketball without borders earlier this year. I know Kentucky had reached out, but he he was down to Kansas, uh, Creighton, and Miami, and he he opted to commit to Kansas. So that's a good a good forward get. Uh, a small guy that can play the three and the four. Um, good get for uh, the Jayhawks. You have uh, you have te- or, uh, Georgia. Again, Tom Cream putting together a top ten class for the Bulldogs. Got Savar, yeah, Savier Wheeler, point guard out of Houston, Texas. Was originally committed to A&M before Buzz Williams took that job, obviously. And then you, for Vanderbilt, uh, Jerry Stackhouse has done actually a really good job on the recruiting front, uh, assembling, I believe, what does he have, a top, tw- uh, uh, the, currently the 44th best class, but he's got Kenyon Martin's son and Scotty's Pippin's son uh, both on board for next year. And they were able to keep their top uh, committed player before Bryce Drew was fired, Dylan Disu, uh, kept him signed with the program as well. So it looks like Jerry Stackhouse looking, uh, uh, looking pretty good for next year. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other notable moves going in. Doesn't look like I mentioned with uh, you, you got the Cassius Stanley, you have Matthew Hurt for Duke and Jeremy Roach. So they've had a pretty good three weeks on the trail, even with losing Boogie Ellis. But again, not a guy that was going to make an immediate impact uh, for next season at all. So currently, where where we are at in the 2019 class, you know, at this point, you know, it's 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 May 10th, right? Most of these guys are already committed, but there are a few that are not committed, and you know, they need to be, you know, the decisions need to be made. Most notably, you have R.J. Hampton, and R.J. Hampton is a is um, a guy that reclassified from 2020. Um, Guy that that had been kind of in the works for a while, uh, definitely you know back in August or September, you know said he was going to stay in 2020, but then as the year went on, it just seemed like okay, it's more likely he's going to. And then when the spring sessions of Nike UIBL uh, rolled around, it was pretty clear he was going to reclassify. He is down to a final four of Kentucky, Kansas, Memphis, and Texas Tech. Duke was on it, but essentially when Trey Jones came back. Uh, that did that. Uh, that wiped out any chances of Duke getting R.J. Hampton for for next year. But that also helped when, when Trey Jones came back. That locked up Matthew Hurt for Duke. 
essentially. That was so you lose one in Hampton, but you get one in Matthew Hurt. That's kind of how that went. Um, but yeah, no, RJ Hampton. Uh, I, I would say it'll either be. Kansas or Memphis. I think Kansas in a pretty good spot right now. They'll, they'll have Devin Dotson more than likely back. He is he entered his name in the draft, got a combine invite, but a guy that's unlikely, I would say, to get drafted. Unlikely. Uh, and, and if so, it would be a second round back in second round pick. So I, I think R.J. Hampton uh, it, it, I think R.J. Hampton to Kansas makes a lot of sense. Uh, and you know, you get Dotson, you get R.J. Hampton, uh, Obachi, and then you got Marcus Garrett back. You have Yudoka as a Buki coming back. Major news for them. And all of a sudden, a team that was maybe looking like a disaster heading into next season might be pretty good. Might be a Final Four contender. Uh, Quentin Grimes also has a decision to make. I suspect he stays in the draft. He got a combine invite as well. Um, again, a dude that expected to be a one and done. And, and you know, there's only so much ball to go around. There's a, it's a guard-heavy team as it is. That's kind of how builds, Bill Self builds these teams. Um, but, you know, if you do, if you don't get you can find a way to stay healthy. That would be a big time. That that would be big for them. And then, you know, you, know, you mix in R.J. Hampton, Devin Dodson. That, that's a great guard duo. That'd be, that'd be a terrific guard duo. And I think that's the most likely scenario. I, I, I would... I would venture to say, I mean, Kentucky, I think, is in there. I think they like, I think the Hampton camp likes Kentucky. And if Ashton Higgins had had elected to stay in the draft, I think Kentucky would be the runaway favorite. Um, but with Higgins back, quickly back, Maxie in the fold, there's a, and then plus with all the forwards that are going to need the ball, it's just too much, many mouths to feed. I think R.J. Hampton would probably be best suited. There's just better options elsewhere. But I think Kentucky's recruiting him. They're going to host him on an official visit. Cal met with him oh, a couple weeks ago. They're, they're going to recruit him. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's an interesting, interesting decision. And then you have Jaden McDaniels. Um, and just a very, very interesting recruitment as it is um a dude that has said nothing really he, he essentially all that you know about the recruitment he's down to five kentucky washington texas san diego state and ucla he has taken official visits to all of those schools he took them back in the fall um it looked like he was maybe going to commit in the uh like in December, but that never ended. That didn't ended up, did not end up happening. Obviously. Um. So anyway, he not much has been said from the McDaniel's camp at all. It's a very quiet recruitment. Um. It, and it was always perceived Washington as a leader, quiet guy. He made a he made there was a quote, um, at the McDonald's All American game. He said, "There's nothing like playing." At home, um, if you listen to the Kentucky Sports Podcast, you know uh, Tory Bowling is a big time uh, Jaden McDaniel's advocate. And I, and I remember a couple weeks ago, just you know thinking about Kentucky's roster, and I was like, I don't know if Kentucky is even recruiting him at this point. I don't know if they need him at this point. And I was kind of making, I was, I remember having a text conversation with him, kind of making the case against having Jaden McDaniel's on the roster for twenty nineteen. Um, kind of, you know, they got Keon Brooks, they got, you know, Khalil Whitney, they got two wings already, I don't know, and then, you know, with Washington, he'll be the guy, he gets to play, you know, with the, 
I don't know about his close buddy, but a guy that he roomed with at USA Basketball and Isaiah Stewart, and you got you know Quade Green there as well, you know. So it's it's a and then with Jalen Noel leaving, that might actually help their chances because there will be more ball to go around. Uh, you're talking about Jalen Noel is a dude that really commanded the ball at the two guard spot, uh, and you know again Jaden would have a lot of just a lot of ball, but they also play a slow, methodical kind of a team. You know the two three zone, Mike Hopkins. Uh, you know that that's kind of their thing. So the fit didn't make us. The, the style fit wasn't great, but the, you know the kind of the situational fit made sense. And just like there's a lot, you know, he's more of a wing than a big. Now you could play him with the four and kind of do a four out kind of a deal. But like it's still he's more of a wing. And Kentucky has three small forwards committed now. Dante Allen again, I don't think contributes next year because he's coming off torn ACL in December. Uh, but anyway, regardless, um, Jaden McDaniels. So I never really thought Kentucky was really in it that much. Like they made a push in late December for sure. And, you know, Cal went out there in September. So they're different recruiting. But I guess, you know, all of a sudden, you know, kind of towards the end of last week, there was some chatter. Okay, Kentucky is in a better spot than people give them credit for. And now all of a sudden this week it has completely turned. It has gone uh, the crystal ball picks have all gone Kentucky's way because that was my thing as well. You know, I was hearing the chatter from last week, but I didn't know. I was like, well, where's this? You know, where's this going to end up going? Uh, if the crystal ball stays at Washington, which it was, I was going to stick with Washington as well as my pick. But now it looks like with five days left in the signing period, Kentucky is taking control. He has no timetable for a decision, but it, you know, it should be any day now. Could be, could be tonight. Could be. But who knows? So it looks like Jane McDaniels will end up at Kentucky, and it looks like Kentucky is going to end up with the first, the top ranked class for the first time since 2015. Jamal Murray here. So next up, you got, and we'll just go through a couple of these uh, because number one, we are running out of time. We we got about 10 minutes left on the podcast. So yeah, let's go ahead and pull that up so I know what the time is. Yeah, we got 10 minutes left. So, um, so yeah, Jay McDaniels, I, I would venture to say Kentucky on that one. Then you have Precious Achua. It looks like Mich- or, uh, Memphis. Memphis, talking about, I haven't really mentioned them. Memphis looking like a team that's going to end up with the second-ranked class. We'll get to a couple other guys that, that they're in a, a good spot for. But Precious Achua, uh, the power, or small forward, power forward uh, that plays at Monteverdi. Again, a really quiet recruitment as well. Uh, didn't really, like, start – taking visits or anything like that until I believe it was April. I mean, he went to, he's gone to Kansas and Carolina. He was just recently in Memphis and it looks like Memphis is the leader right now for precious Achua. They have a very good shot to land him. Uh, and then you have Trenton Watford who looked like he was going to go end up at Memphis, uh, before Will Wade was reinstated a couple weeks ago. And now it looks like LSU who was the leader prior to the Will Wade getting suspended, Looks like they're the leader yet again uh, in the clubhouse. So I've been in, in for LSU. They need it. I mean, they do. They losing Bigby Williams, losing Nas Reed. Looks like Tremont Waters and Skylar Mays maybe lean towards that. The only guy that they that really played a bunch for him. The only two guys, I guess you could say, that played a bunch for him that are definitely coming back. Sounds like Darius Days and I think Marlon Taylor. But outside of that, they don't have a whole lot of. They don't have a whole lot of depth, so Trenton Wofford, talking about a five-star power forward, 
uh, could step right in and be an immediate impact player. Great, really good offensive player in the post. Uh, good good uh, passer as well. Would be a big get. Uh, LaMelo Ball's on here, but he's not playing high school basketball. Uh, that's kind of already been determined. Then you got Johnny Juzang, who, uh, you know, a guy that Kentucky had kind of been wanting to recruit, but I don't, hadn't really put in a ton of effort. Then Cal flew out there, offered him a scholarship, and then it came out, okay, he's might reclassify. So within the last two weeks, he has reclassified to 2019, taken an official visit to Kentucky, cut his list to four, and has a commitment date for tonight. Um, it's almost certainly going to be Kentucky and a guy they need because they need shooting. And this is a, you know, a guy that shot 43% on the circuit uh, would be a very good get for Kentucky. Uh, a dude that doesn't have a you know a extreme NBA potential, uh, he's kind of a, you know the, in the thirties. A dude that I venture to say will more than likely play two years, two to three years of college basketball will not be a one and done. And also, there's only so much ball that's going to go around next year. Um, but I, I think a guy that you can kind of build around for the future. Um, and I think you know, I'm sure Cal's t- selling on that, but uh, a, a guy that can shoot the ball, that that a mature. Uh, a score at this stage in the game, a guy Kentucky needs, and then you got Boogie Ellis and Lester Quinones. Those will will wrap it up with those two guys, and, and just talk about Memphis for a second. So pressure, they already have obviously DJ Jeffries and James Wiseman locked up, and Malcolm Dandridge as well. Um, they Penny Hardaway has built a wall around the Memphis area and has kept everybody else out. He is. He has a monopoly on the Memphis area. And lucky for him, the Memphis area is producing some pretty good players. I mean, DJ Jeffries, uh, you know, not a not going to be an amazing player, I, don't, I wouldn't venture to say. But, I mean, you're talking about a dude that's a four-star um, and a guy that in the American Athletic Conference could absolutely develop into uh, a solid player. You have James Wiseman, obviously, the top pick, the favorite to be the top pick in the 2020 NBA draft. And, you know, just an incredible uh, talent at the center position, you know, and, and now here we are with Boogie Ellis, a dude that was committed to Duke, a, a dude that blew up over the summer, was absolutely terrific, uh, a dude that can play on or off the ball, can really score it, and it looks like Memphis is the leader. I mean, that as soon as as soon as he left Duke, as soon as he got that release, it came out that Memphis was going to be one of the top teams involved, and they're in a pretty good spot. And now you have Lester. <clears throat> Quinones, who is another two guard, he is committing tonight as well. Should be committing uh, in an hour, actually. I think his commitment's at five. Um, if I could find him, yeah, here we go. Fifty-sixth uh, player in the country, uh, sixth best two guard, and it's looking. I mean, LSU. I know for a while was a leader, um, and and then. You know, you had just kind of the LSU Will Wade stuff, and you had the, the FBI stuff go on, and then it looked, it just looked like that, and, and then Memphis just kind of took control, and, and they have, you know, it's it's a hundred percent Memphis on the crystal ball picks, and it's looking like they are going to land him. So Memphis shaping up to build a monster class. Penny Hardaway again. We don't really know what he – this past year, I mean, they were okay, right? They had a couple seniors, and you know, Jonathan Martin and I think Davenport that kind of carried their team. They were okay. They were, they were an NIT team is what they were. Um, but we'll see next year if, if Penny's good at coaching. I mean, he's going to have a ton of talent, right? 
You know, he's, he's got, you know, between Wiseman, Jeffries, likely Boogly, Boog, Boogly, Boogie Ellis, and Quinanis. Going to have dudes at, at both, you know, at point guard. And, and, and they're still in it for Hampton, too. It's just I don't think they'll get him. But they're still very much in it with R.J. Hampton. And, and they got some dudes in the upcoming, in 2020, you know, with, uh, with uh, notably Jalen Green that has taken an official visit there. Uh, you know, so it, it'll be interesting to see a big, very big year for Memphis to, uh, to see how that whole deal is going to go with, um, uh, with Penny Hardaway. And then for, you know, for 2020, you know, obviously you still got, you know, the guys, um, you know, kind of figuring out the recruitment stuff like that. Um, you know, guys figuring out they want to reclassify. I, I think it's a good, there's a good chance, um, that if I could find him on here, I think Kareem Walker, a good chance that he ends up reclassifying. And I would put Arkansas the leader because it looked like he was going to go to Nevada with Eric Musselman. Obviously, Musselman's at Arkansas. I think I would say that's a pretty good, uh, decent chance of that one. But you have Jalen Johnson who's interesting because he, he is looking to commit around Peach Jam potentially. Uh, in the next couple months is, is what he's saying. He's down to four. It's Arizona, Kentucky, Duke, and Wisconsin. And it's a Kentucky-Duke race, and, you know, it's going to be a tough one. I, If I had to pick, I'd probably pick Duke, but he also said that Kentucky was his dream school, and he's been to Big Blue Madness twice and is clearly uh, you know, has an affinity for the Kentucky staff. But I don't know. There's going to be some nice Kentucky-Duke battles in this 2020 class. Uh, B.J. Boston's another one. That's going to be a Duke-Kentucky battle. Uh, for without a doubt, you could see. I mean, Isaiah Todd could end up being that because he's from that North Carolina area, and Kentucky has, uh, you know, right now they're the leader in the clubhouse. But you never know. You know, Duke could get involved with that. You, Duke's already, you know, they got one up on Kentucky with Jeremy Roach, and they were able to to pull him. So uh, there should be some fun recruiting battles in this. And Jalen Green's going to be a fun one right now. I mean, between Kentucky, it could be another Kentucky-Memphis battle, and, you know, Kansas is involved with that one. Scotty Barnes, I mean, I mean, he, he's going to decide late. We're probably one of the last dudes to commit. That'll be an interesting one uh, as well. I think Cade Cunningham, as his recruitment progresses, that's going to be, uh, it, he's going to get his who's who of offers, and he's going to get to go wherever he wants. So definitely some interesting stuff uh, to uh, gather there. But all right, thank you all for listening to the Posting Up podcast. You know, uh, I, I would like after, so the next one I will do more than likely will be after the um, the NBA draft decisions because then I'll, I want to finalize my list of teams. I want to go through that list of teams. That might be a two-parter, you know, go because th- I do a top 50, obviously. Um, and then we'll, uh, you know, go through the teams and then kind of talk about the decisions. I'll try to make that uh, both thorough yet don't take too much time for each team uh, because I want to be able to do it. But we'll, that's I, I think we'll do like a little part series with that, and that's what we'll do um, because there's not, you know, there's rec- and then we'll obviously touch on any recruiting stuff. We'll have Jaden McDaniels uh, announce, we'll, uh, Press Chua, Johnny Juzang, Quinones, and, and I'm sure some others, and you'll have the 2020 class as well some new news for that so we'll that's what we'll kind of touch on and obviously just the latest news around college basketball didn't really get into the fbi stuff i number one i haven't really followed it a ton so i don't have a great understanding of it um but follow adam zagoria for that he does a really good job of covering that and is very thorough with his both live tweeting and uh, analysis of it 
Um, so that stuff, I don't, maybe I'll dedicate a podcast that over the summer. Uh, but right now, that's not really what I want to talk about. I mainly want to talk about some of the decisions to be made in recruiting because that's what I know most about too. But all right, thank you all for listening. Uh, until ne- next time, like I said, probably will be late May, the last few days of May. Uh, but till then, uh, have a great summer. And it's Alec Jesse, Alec Jesse, excuse me, signing off. Thank you.